Well, good afternoon, everyone. My name is John Michael Becker, and I'm a deacon at this church. And Pastor Christian uh, asked of me to go ahead and uh, guest speak for this Sunday, so I'll be bringing the word. And uh, I'm really privileged to give to be able to give a message to the church uh, this early in 2010. And uh, this this is going to be a special year. And uh, I've I've heard some different speakers, some different prophets, different you know mighty people of God, and they said wonderful things about this year. There'll be a year of breakthrough and, and things like that. And to be honest, I've, I've heard those things before. Uh, it seems like every year there's always somebody saying, oh, this is going to be a great year and da-da-da-da-da. And I'm not that excitable. Um, I'm really, I don't get that excited. Uh, I'm kind of phlegmatic, kind of just, you know, like that. Uh, but there's something about this year. There's really something about this year, and when I heard Bill Johnson speak and say that this year is going to be the greatest year of our lives, uh, and say that just with a lot of authority and anointing, it really hit my spirit. And uh, if you didn't know, I came to Korea a little over four years ago. I arrived December 30th, 2005. I've been serving at Jion Christian Children's Home near Gimple Airport. Uh, About 80 kids there. Uh, Lived there in the home for three years, and then I got an apartment. And before I came to Korea, God gave me kind of a five-year plan. And I just sensed that I would be out here for five years, that God was going to do these different things in stages, and that by the fourth and fifth year, God would be preparing me for that next stage, for that next level. And when I tried to pray beyond the fifth year, it was just blank. It was just a mystery to me. I had no idea if I would still be in Korea, uh, what would be happening. But I just sensed it would be another level. And now I'm entering that fifth year. And I just sense that something is going to happen in my life this year, and something's going to happen in the church as well. Uh, I've been going to this church since January 1st, 2006, and uh, every Sunday since. And Pastor Dave, he was the original pastor here. I was here when he was pastoring, and then when he, did the, uh, when he uh, took some of the church to Gangnam and started the church there. And I was here during some rough times uh, for this church. When it was only about 40 50 people. Uh, Pastor Christian started up a prayer team, and I joined in November 2006. And we've just been plowing and plowing and plowing and inviting the Spirit to come, praying for revival for this church and for this city. And to be honest, it hasn't been easy. Uh, There were many prayer meetings where it was just 10 people, uh, just a handful. It was really just the prayer team and a few pastors, if even the pastors. Um, It was rough for a while, but we just kept plowing. And God would give us little breakthroughs here and there. And it just seemed to build up. 2006, more breakthrough 2007, more breakthrough 2008. And last year was a beautiful year. Uh, It really was one of the greatest years of my life. And I believe for this church as well. We experienced Andres Bassoni, Brother Michael coming for the retreat, the missions. Uh, They were anointed, Australia. uh, Powerful things happening there. And this church has just been growing in the healing, deliverance. It's been really beautiful. But... I just still sense in my spirit that those prayers, the prayer team, the prayers of this church have been just investing, that is plowing, that plowing, uh, it hasn't been answered yet. And that we've only experienced just a trickle, just a drop of what God has in store for this church. God has so much in store for this church. And uh, I just believe that right now we're still kind of in that pre-Pentecost stage. We're just in the upper room, upper room, and uh, we're praying. And we're seeking the Lord, and we're asking for His Spirit. We're asking for more. And I believe, I mean, I haven't been releasing the prophetic or anything like that, but I just believe that something's coming this year, and something special. And it doesn't mean we're going to be there, and that's it. uh, But I just believe God's going to take us to another level. 
And we're going to keep praying. You know, the disciples didn't give up praying after chapter 2 when the Pentecost came. They kept praying and asking for more and more and more. And you know what? In Acts chapter 4, there was more. The Spirit was poured out even more, and there was another level and another level. There's so much more that God has in store for us. But I believe that this year there's something special. Something special. And guys, I am excited. Believe it or not, I know it doesn't show, but I am excited. You see, when there's a change in tone, just a little change in tone, that is something is happening. And uh, so I'm, I'm really, I'm looking forward to this year. I believe this, this will be the greatest year of our lives. Everyone here, greatest year. So with that said, uh, there's just a, it's a simple message God's put on my heart for today, but I feel it's a message that will help us get ready for what God has in store for us. It's really going to help prepare the church uh, for what he's about to do. So before I get into the message, though, let me uh, just say a quick prayer for us. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this church, God. And we just thank you that you have been so faithful in this church, God. You've been faithful when it was just Pastor Dave and his brothers and just one friend. Just a few people here, Lord God, in this room, Lord. And you've been faithful through the years. It has grown and grown. And you've been faithful, Lord God, through the mountains and through the valleys, God. You have been so faithful, and we just exalt you, and we love you, God. And we pray for your presence to come more and more and more. We we hunger for you. We yearn for you, God. You're the reason that we're here, Lord. You're the reason that we live, God. You are our joy, and we just pray for more of you. Bless this time. Open our hearts, God. Uh, Just give me joy as I give this message. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this message, it has two parts. Uh, I got good news for you guys, and uh, I got bad news. So we got, we got a warning, and we got encouragement for you guys. There we go. So uh, I'm going to start with uh, the good news. Uh, I mean, I'm going to start with the bad news, so that you guys aren't discouraged at the end of the message. I don't, like, kind of leave you guys all depressed. I'm going to start with the good stuff. Um, but let's look at the scripture reading. If you guys can put it up, Proverbs 18, 21. I'm going to read it again for you guys. It says this, <clears throat> Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So are you guys ready for this message? If you guys are ready, I want you to repeat after me. Speak some life into me. Speak some life into me. All right. Let's begin with the danger of the tongue. And I'm going to be speaking about how the tongue can impact our lives, impact others, and impact just the whole world, impact the nations. And this is the good news and the bad news. The good news is, is this. The power of your words, the power of your tongue... It has power to influence and alter your life and the lives around you and the nations. And this is also the bad news. That your tongue has power to alter your life and the lives around you and the nations. This is the good and the bad news. It kind of comes hand in hand. So we're going to start with the bad news. And uh, this is speaking words over yourself. The danger of the negative words you can speak over yourself. And I'm pretty sure you've heard people say words like this, or maybe you've said it yourself. Uh, I always get sick at this time of year. My body is so weak. This always happens to me. Okay, these are words that people tend to speak over themselves. Very common words. Even vows people will speak, and this is a bit stronger. But maybe you've spoken words like this. Uh, I'm never going to trust another guy. I'm never going to get married. 
I'm never going to have kids. People will say these things. And uh, oftentimes they'll mean it when they say it, but then they'll forget it as time passed. And there's something that's usually common about people who speak these words over their lives. Those words become true. They tend to get sick every time of that year. They tend to, yeah, not trust. They have trust issues. Perhaps they never get married. And these words, they affect them all throughout their lives. And I want you guys to open up your Bible right now to Matthew chapter 12. And this is going to hit it home. Matthew chapter 12. These are strong words of warning to the church. Matthew 12. I'm going to read verses 36 and 37. Matthew chapter 12. says this, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, by your words you will be condemned. Proverbs 6, 2, about those who make vows, says this, You have been snared in the words of your mouth. You have been caught in the words of your mouth. Very strong warnings. The words we speak of ourselves have great power. And when God created us, he gave us authority. He gave mankind authority over all creation. We have authority over the animals. We have authority over this world around us. We are God's creation, and we are made in his image, whom demons attack and angels help defend. So if we think that our words have no power, we are seriously underestimating our standing before God and our responsibility here on earth. We're seriously underestimating who we are in God if we think our words are meaningless. As Christians, we know about blessings and curses. You guys have read about when Jesus cursed the fig tree and he said, may you never bear fruit again. And sure enough, when they came back moments later, that tree was withered up. It was dead. And we know about blessings. When Isaac blessed Jacob, Jacob indeed became blessed later on in his life. What was interesting about both situations is both in the blessing and the curse, it didn't happen right away. Jesus cursed the fig tree and they went on. And later when they came back, they saw, wow, that curse came true. When Isaac blessed Jacob, Jacob wasn't blessed right away. Uh, He was on the run by himself living in the desert. It was later in his life that that word really began to bear fruit, that that blessing came about. And what we need to be aware of is that our words have great power. And while we might not see something right away when we speak, there is something that is being put in ourselves and put into others when we speak words over them. Our words have power. An example of this would be the Israelites. When they left Egypt, they came out into the desert. They were being led by God and Moses into the promised land. And when they got a report from the 12 spies about the promised land, they got very scared and they completely expressed a lack of faith. And they began to just yell against God and yell against Moses and Aaron. And they said, the congregation all shouted and said, it would be better for us to die in the wilderness. That's what they spoke over themselves. Numbers 14, 28, 29 says this, As I live, declares the Lord, what you have said in my hearing, I will do to you. Your dead bodies shall fall in the wilderness. Man. You know, that's the bad news, guys. You know, when you speak bad words of yourself, uh, there's some power there. And some things are happening. So we need to be very careful about what we speak, of what we say over ourselves. And praise God, there is grace for us. The Israelites lived before Jesus. So they died because of their sin. 
They died under their sin. They, they got what they deserved. But for us, we have the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if we've said words of our lives that are not true, that are negative, that are wrong, if we've made vows that are just not right, by His grace and by His mercy, when we repent and when we renounce these vows, He is able to break us free. And church, I want you to be very aware of the vows that you've made in your life. And if you have made vows, if you have said things like, I will never do this, or I will always be this way, or if you've even just spoken negative words like, I'm unattractive, or I'm just not liked, I'm not accepted, you need to repent of these words because God's truth has a very different word for you. And this is the truth. So we need to repent and renounce of these words. And if you need help in this, if you feel there's a very strong word of your life, maybe it's something that you've just self-imposed upon yourself, the prayer team and the pastors would be glad to help you after the service. Just come up for prayer. This warning, it doesn't end here. It's not just the words that we speak over ourselves that have power. The words that we speak over others has great power as well, especially if we have some sort of authority over them. If you want evidence of this, just come visit my children's home. These kids, uh, so many people have said wrong words over them. And they've called my kids stupid. They've called them slow. And they've said, you're not wanted. And so how do my kids live? They live thinking that they're stupid, that they're slow, that they're not wanted. You see, people don't intuitively know the truth. We have to learn the truth. You got to get this, guys. People don't instinctively know the truth. They have to learn the truth. Okay, and we are taught the truth by what other people speak to us. And if people speak false truths over our lives, we're going to live under that false truth all our lives until someone comes and rescues us. Until someone comes with the truth, the real truth, and sets us free. You want a very powerful example of this? Just go to India and look at the caste system. If you don't know much about India, they believe in these castes and these different family groups, these different people groups. And depending on where you are born and what your lineage is, automatically de uh, determines your class. And for some of these castes, for some of these people, they're told they don't even have a soul. And that's what they're taught. They're taught they're objects, less than animals. And you want to know how these people live? Less than animals. They live in cardboard boxes. They don't care, take care of themselves. They think that they're just completely unworthy of anything. They have been taught a lie. Those words spoken over them have influenced them for their entire life until someone will come in and bring the truth. In my experience serving with healing and deliverance ministry, uh, I've had to counsel so many people who have had lies spoken over them. And they believed it. Family members, people who have abused them, teachers, uh, even pastors have spoken words over them that have influenced them for their life. <clears throat> They say things like, I, I'm unattractive. I'm, I'm, I'm not accepted. I'm dirty. I'm a sinner. I'm not good for anything. And this is the lies that they live under. And you know what? They even believe, yeah, this, this isn't true. But because those words were so heavy upon them, they wear it like a coat. It's just on them and they don't know how to get it off. And they need people to help lead them into that deliverance. Lead them into that freedom. Open your Bibles to James chapter 3. James is after Hebrews, New Testament. <laughs> I'm looking out for you, David. 
I'm going to read verses 5 and 6, and then I'm going to skip down and read verses 14 and 15. Chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 says this, So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, set on fire by hell. Dear goodness. Verse 14, 14 and 15 says this, But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Okay, these verses are written to Christians. These verses are written about the power of words, the danger of the tongue. And what James says in this is he says, if you are not careful about your words, if you're not careful about what you speak over people, you're going to begin begin to say words that are earthly, that are of the flesh, that are unspiritual, not of the Holy Spirit. And if you continue to speak these words, soon you're going to be speaking words that are demonic, that have a power that is not of God, but of the enemy. Examples of this? It gives me chills, but I've heard people pray these things. God, that person has so much pride. Humble that man. Humble that man. That's not a blessing, that's a curse. Uh, Words like, oh God, bring justice to that person. Judge that person. That person hurt me. That's, That's not a blessing. That's a curse. Even prayers like this. God, I really don't want that person to return to America. God, I pray that that job doesn't work out. I pray that he remains here. That's scary, okay? That is, that's not prayer. That's manipulation. That's domination. That's witchcraft. We have to be very careful of the way that we pray and the way that we bless others around us. Derek Prince is a well-known revivalist. Uh, he passed away, but he was a powerful man of God. Powerful man of God. Did amazing crusades around the world. And he wrote in his book, Blessings and Curses, he wrote that he was once in Europe doing ministry there. And he suddenly got severe pain to his abdomen. Severe pain. And it was so severe that he was considering canceling all his ministry. And he began crying out, saying, God, why am I getting this pain? What is going on? Please heal me. And God gave Derek Prince a vision. And in this vision, he saw two of his close friends back in Florida on the other side of the world. And he saw that they were speaking critical words about him. You see, just before he left for Europe, they had had a disagreement in the ministry uh, about a course of action for Derek. And he had left. And these two uh, just continued to disagree and were just speaking critically about Derek Prince. And he realized it was their negative words being spoken that was causing this pain. The enemy was taking their negativity and using it as an attack against Derek Prince. So what he did was he just bound those words, those lies being spoken against him, those critical words, and he loosed himself of them, and he spoke God's healing over himself. Within five minutes, he was fine, and he was able to continue with the ministry. And what he did was he returned back to Florida afterwards, and he spoke with his friends, and they were able to iron everything out. Now they're a lot closer than they were before. But this story just goes to demonstrate that your words have great power, that words of criticism, gossip, Slander, they do a lot more damage than you think. And just as Jesus cursed the fig tree and they didn't see anything right away, so often our words of slander are just critical words. They don't seem to do anything right away. But later on, 
we see just the whole mess that they brought about. You might not agree with everything that's done around you. You might not agree with what the staff chooses or, or what just different people in your life choose. But Matthew 7.1 is very clear. It says, Judge not, lest ye be judged. Romans 12.19 says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to God. It is mine to repay, I will avenge, declares the Lord. You see, rather than judging or speaking critically over others, we need to choose to bless them, choose to speak grace, choose to speak life into their lives. And if they are indeed in the wrong, if they are truly living according to, to sin that is blatant according to Scripture, we need to speak to them face to face, not behind their back. Because if we're speaking behind their back, we're only increasing the work of the enemy in their lives. Now imagine this. If on the cross... As Jesus is dying on the cross, he looks out and he sees his persecutors. He sees these people throwing insults at him. Imagine if Jesus had prayed this. God, judge them. Let justice fall on these people. They are evil sinners. Would he have been wrong in saying that? Not at all. He wouldn't have been wrong at all. He would have been completely justified in saying those words. But imagine how different history would have been if he had said that. You see, instead of choosing slander, criticism, judgment, Jesus spoke grace. And he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. And those words gave grace not just to those who were there, but to the rest of mankind. Those words still ring true in our lives. That while we were still sinners, he died for us. And his grace covers over our sins. Christ gave us the example of grace. Rather than speaking judgment and death over those, those around them, he chose to speak life. And now we've gotten to the good news. Yay, speaking life, the power of words, the power of speaking good things over one another. And what I want is I want the media team, if you guys got this slide, put up Proverbs 16.24. I love this verse. Look at that verse. Gracious words are like a honeycomb. Sweetness to the soul, health to the body. I want you to say to your neighbor, I want some sweet honeycomb. Hey Amen. Man, that's tasty. All right, that's enough. That's enough. So I think I've already demonstrated to you the power of words through Scripture. Uh, God is very clear in here, the power of our words, uh, that our power, the words that we speak over ourselves and speak over others, really affects us. And uh, I want to speak, just share some examples uh, from my life of how words, good words, spoken over myself and spoken over others, has really empowered, has really blessed. And uh, for 2009, I had a resolution, and it was to grow in the joy of the Lord. Uh, as I've shared, I'm not that excitable. And uh, I just realized that I was getting to be like the older brother of the prodigal son. That uh, I was doing a lot of the work. I was doing a lot of ministry. And I was serving in the father's house. But that uh, I was lacking joy. And that it was becoming more like responsibility. And I would do it. I was glad to do it. I wanted to be faithful. But I just realized that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And uh, I really need to be walking in that joy. I need to be enjoying just you know, speaking to people, discipling, all these things. And so I began praying, God, give me your joy. I want to experience your joy. I want more laughter. 
And about a month passed, and nothing had changed. So rather than being joyful, I was kind of frustrated. And uh, I was just pacing in my apartment, and I was expressing my frustration to God in prayer. I said, God, I've been praying for more joy, and I don't feel joy at all. Give me your joy. I want your joy. And I'm just praying, and I'm praying, and I'm praying. Yeah, maybe you shouldn't pray like that, but I was praying that way. And God spoke, and he said, Son, I want you to claim every day that today is the happiest day of your life. Yeah. I stopped as I was walking. I was like, what? That was the cheesiest thing I've ever heard. I told God that. We're friends. It's okay. But I was like, God, I can't say that because today is not the happiest day of my life. Uh, I I can't say a lie. Why are you telling me to say a lie? And uh, God told me, well, on what do you base your happiness? What, What makes you joyful? So I began to think, and I thought, well... Having a good day with my kids at the children's home, you know, playing sports, um, you know, encouragement from my friends, good food, the Redskins win a football game. Uh, I get some joy. But uh, I thought about it, and I realized, wow, a lot of these things are conditional, and they're not always happening, especially the Redskins. And so if I depend on these things for my joy, I'm not going to be a joyful person all the time. And I was just reflecting on this. And I was praying, and then I thought, and I said very sincerely to God, I said, God, what brings me the most joy is being in your presence. In your presence, that there is fullness of joy. I just love being with you. And God spoke to me and said, my presence is with you always. And it just hit me that that is my joy. That is my joy. God's presence in my life, whether it seems good around me or bad around me, that he is my joy. And that if I find my joy in him, that I can truly fulfill 1 Thessalonians 5.16, be joyful always. Because God is always with me. So I began to claim it. And I felt cheesy. I just felt really weird saying it. But I said, okay. I'd wake up and I'd be like, God, today is the happiest day of my life. And I'd hear this voice, why? And I'd be like, because God is with me. Because God is with me. And i just claim it. And I'll tell you, as I spoke those words over me, something about me started to change. And I know this sounds cheesy, but I began to just see just how blue the sky is and just how beautiful creation is around me. I'm not joking. I'm a guy. I usually don't notice these things. But, you know, it just, it just started like, wow, you know, I've never seen this before. And I started to praise God for it. And little things that I was never appreciative of before, I began to just, wow, this is so good, and start to thank God for And joy really did begin to just well up within me. Still working on showing it, but it's within me. It's within me. And uh, I remember one day I was, I was driving with a friend, and, and she was having a bad day. And she was just, you know, kind of letting out some steam. And she was just complaining about all these different things. And I'm kind of off in my own, you know, today's the happiest day of my life world, you know. And so I'm just really happy. And I'm realizing that, wow, a lot of the things she's complaining about don't really matter at all. Uh, they're not really important in the long run. And I remember at one point she paused, and I was just like, wow, look at the sky. The clouds are so beautiful there. And, uh, and she said, yeah, well, that's because it's usually so polluted. That's why you noticed. I was like, yeah. And then we were driving across a bridge, and, and uh, I noticed these, these buildings I hadn't seen before. And the architecture was really cool. And I was like, wow, look at those buildings. They're really cool looking. She said, yeah, they're so dirty. Listen, they need to be cleaned. 
And then I looked over the Han River, and uh, it was just sparkly that day. It was just really rushing, very blue. And I was like, look at the river. It's so blue. And she goes, yeah, well, if you drink from it, you'll die. uh, It's like, wow. And I just realized, like, two different perspectives here. And she caught it there, too. It It took three. She caught it, and she paused. And a smile came on her lips. She realized what she was saying. And uh, we're just just both really realizing that joy is about perspective. Joy is a choice. It's a choice. And uh, we need to choose to be joyful. We need to choose to see these things. And that words of complaining, words of slander or gossip, uh, just critical words, negative words, it's like toxic fumes. When people speak it out, it just messes up the atmosphere. It just tends to spread. Like, Like James writes about, it's poison. It's poison. But when we speak words of encouragement and grace and truth and love, just, just joyful words, it's like clean air, fresh air. It's like that sweet honeycomb. It brings health to the body. It's scriptural. The Word of God says this, that good words bring health to your body. And guys, just as we have power to speak words of ourselves, like today is the happiest day of my life, you know, because you're with me, God, and... And I, you know, I feel good, I'm, you know, I feel healthy. You speak these words of yourselves. The words we speak over others are very powerful as well. And I, I just, studying scripture, I felt like the greatest example of this is in the Song of Songs. It's the book of love. And it's eight short chapters. It's a story about a, a lover and, and the beloved you know, man and, and his lover. And, and uh, just you know, their, their little love relationship. And in this book, the guy has this long monologue where he just speaks every compliment imaginable over his, you know, his lover. And he's like, oh, your lips, your cheeks, your, your hair, your neck, just everything. And he goes on and on and on. It's only eight chapters, but this is like a whole chapter. He just keeps going and going and going. But the interesting thing is, he doesn't just speak life over her once. There's three chapters of this. Three times in that book, he goes on, it's the same stuff. But he keeps speaking it over and over and over. And this is the book of love. This is God teaching us love. What is love in this book? It's speaking life. What is love in this book? It's constantly affirming, constantly speaking grace, constantly speaking just kindness. Those words, they didn't stop at the honeymoon. We read in that book, one is, is the honeymoon, and then there's conflict, and he speaks life. And then later, it's just when things are simple and secure and mundane, he continues to speak life. It's not just God says once in our life, oh, I love you, and you know, that's it. He continues to speak, I love you, I love you, I love you. And if you open up this Bible, it's just filled with His love for us, with His truth for us. And He wants to give us our, day, every, our, our daily bread every day. Just that truth, that love, that affirmation so that we can live, so that we can truly live. Deuteronomy 8.3, I think you guys know this one. Man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. God's Word gives us life. His Word is gracious, it is loving, it is affirming. And guys, I mean, get this. When I, when I hear someone has spoken negative words over my kids and my home, my heart breaks. And I get so angry. I, I get so angry. And I run to those, ch- those children or to that child, and I just say, what, what was spoken over you is a lie, and you are this and this and this and I just speak affirmation over and over and over to those kids 
And as I've prayed, God's spoken to me and said, this is my heart for you as well. This is my heart for each of my children. That when these people who have been lost in sin have spoken these words over my children, I have longed to run to them, to crouch down beside them, and to say those words were a lie. And to speak my truth and my love into their lives. To speak my truth and my love into your lives. Into your lives. And guys, we are his hands and feet. We are his hands and feet. People wonder, well, why hasn't he said this? Well, one, he has said this. It's right here. There's so much affirmation here. But it's also, we are his mouthpiece here. We are his hands and feet. And we are called to go to this broken world. Called to go to this world as living under the lies that the media, that Satan has taught them. And to tell them the real truth. The real truth and to set them free. We are called to speak his life and his word into others so that they can truly live. Our friends Monica and Roberto, I think some of you guys know them. Uh, they had their first baby last year. Monica had a, a daughter named Sarah, their first daughter. Beautiful baby. And during their pregnancy, Noberto was he took this word to heart. And he spoke life over that baby every day. He would just get up near Monica's belly and he would just speak to that baby. I love you. I love you. God loves you. You just speak promises into her. He would even have Monica sit down. I don't know if he did this every single day, but Monica said he did this a lot. He would sit her down and take the guitar and just get right in front of the baby. And he just, he just worship. And he would just sing love songs over her. Love songs. And you know what? When I heard this, I knew that this baby, I just, I just figured she's going to come out yawning. She's just going to be all so peaceful, so secure, so loved. And that wasn't... Completely the truth, you know, the fact, but uh, the doctors did say it was the, just one of the easiest deliveries they've ever had. They were shocked by how quick she came out and how just peaceful she was. Now I want to tell you, that baby is so secure. You might not know it because, yeah, she can't speak, but you just look upon her and you see she is secure. There's no fear. Why? Because she's been covered with love. Love has been spoken into her. Love just, before she even understands what love is, she, she has it. And so there's no fear. This little baby is so secure. This little baby is going to be a powerful woman of God when she rises up. So just as Noberto has continued to speak life over his little child, and he still does, so are we called to speak life into one another, life into this world. And guys, the words that God has given this church is dream big. Dream big. I'm going to do mighty things in this church, stuff that we can't even comprehend. And I believe, yeah, some breakthroughs coming this year, and more breakthrough will be coming after that. And we need to be ready. And we need to be speaking life into one another. That when God starts to give us a vision or a dream and we share it with one another, we need to just build them up, speak faith. Yeah, with God, nothing is impossible. Yeah, you know, and just speak life and encouragement. This is a critical hour, church. And if there are critical words or gossip or slander, we have to do away with this. We have to cut it out. And if we keep hearing Satan's voice saying, I'm this, I'm that, we need to bring it up with someone around us and be like, hey, I hear a voice that's saying this. Is this true? I'm, I'm telling you, they're going to say, no, that's not true. That's not true. Let me tell you the truth. Let me tell you who you are in God. And you are going to be set free. You're going to be walking in His strength and His anointing. So church, speak life. Speak life. Speak love. Speak grace. Forgive. Bless. Let grace be like a river in this church. Let it go forth. Even those that deserve judgment, speak life. Leave it to the Lord. The Lord is in control.
Give them grace. Now, I'm not done yet, but uh, I want you guys to go ahead and close your notebooks and your Bibles and just go ahead and set them down. When God put on my heart to just share this message, I felt it was a pretty simple message. Pretty basic. Speak life. But what I felt God speaking to me is that I wasn't just to preach this message. uh, I needed to practice it. And that God wanted to speak some life into this church. So if it's all right, I I just want to speak some life into you guys. You guys have heard this before. God loves you so much. He loves you so much. And you are children of God, sons and daughters of God, made in his image, created for his glory. But I want to ask you, church, do you know your value? Do you know how much you're worth in heaven? What I want you to do, church, just all in this room, I want you guys to close your eyes. Please close your eyes. And I want you to imagine that you are inside the entrance of heaven. And before you is a river of life. There are trees. There's just animals. And it is beautiful. And on your left and on your right, there are multitudes of angels. More than you can count. Your left and your right. And there's also saints that have gone on before you. So many men and women of God who have gone on before you, and they're standing to your left and to your right, far more than you can count. They're all around you. Now I want you to reflect on this word. It's Romans eight nineteen. Creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Creation groans, eagerly awaits you. You see all those angels, all those saints, they're waiting for you. All the plants, all the trees, the mountains, the sea, the creatures are longing for you. They cannot wait for you to come. They want to parade you. You are a child of the Most High. You are clothed in white. You are so valuable. You are so worthy. God is speaking to you guys. You are precious and honored in my sight, and I love you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are you. And I just feel God speaking to the church that every burden you have felt, I have been with you. Every tear that you have shed, I have shed with you. And I know you inside and out. And I want all your pain, I want all your burdens. Every negative word that people have spoken over you, I want to take and I want to give you my life. Come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And I just feel God is saying that I don't care about your past, your education, your sins, any of these things. I've used shepherds, I've used fishermen, I've used prostitutes. You are my creation. I made you and you are good. You are more than good enough, and I take great delight in you. I created you with my own hands, 
I have plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. I am near to you and I am mighty to save. I take great delight in you. I quiet you with my love. I rejoice over you with singing. I will wipe away every tear from your eyes. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. And I cannot wait to have you in my presence. All creation waits with eager longing for you. You are so valuable. And do not let this world tell you anything different. You are a child of God. You are clothed in white. You are beautiful. Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for this church. And I thank you, Lord, for your love for each and every person in this place, God. And I thank you, Lord, that your words truly give us life. And I thank you, Lord, that every word that we receive from you is a seed that is being planted into our being. And God, I just pray that every promise, Lord, let every word of affirmation, God, let, let just everything that you have given us, Lord, let it bloom. Let it come forth. May you bless this church, Lord God. May your river run through this place, God. May there be life in this place. May every word of, of death and, Lord God, word of, of the enemy, Lord God, be rid of in this place, Lord God. And may there be life. May there be joy. May we make a joyful noise unto the earth, Lord God. Hallelujah, Lord God. And I praise you that all creation is going to join in with us. I praise you, Lord God, that there will be words of life for all eternity, God. Words of praise, Lord, that we will be set free, Lord God, from the lies of this world. Set free, Lord God, from every, Lord God, negative word that's been spoken over us, Lord. Hallelujah, you have come that we may have life and have it to the full. And I speak fullness of life in your church. I speak fullness of life into New Philadelphia Church. Bless us, God. Give us your strength, Lord. God, we know that breakthrough is coming this year, Lord God. And we claim it. And we declare, Lord God, this will be the greatest year of our lives, God. It will be the greatest year, Lord Lord God. Hallelujah, for now, Lord. And there will be even greater years after this, Lord, because you are with us and you are revealing yourself more and more and more with each day, God. There is more of your presence, God, you are going to pour out upon us, Lord. And we will receive this fullness of joy. We will receive it all, God. So we bless your name. Release, Lord God, your sweetness. Release your healing, God. Release your blessing into this church. We exalt you, Lord, and we give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. Pray this in Jesus' name.